0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of After School with Dylan Mack. Today, we're interviewing Sanford M. Bernardo, who's ch- achieved global recognition within the legal and medical communities as an innovator in the field of surrogate parenting and alternative family formation. In this episode, we're interviewing Sandy, throwing the answers to questions we don't normally ask. What's it like to start a company and make it successful? And how does it work with your partner? And many more. If you'd like to support me further, please go to my Instagram, website, or Patreon and support me there. Thank you, and enjoy. Hello, and I... Uh, welcome back to another episode on the after school, uh, podcast. And today I'm with Sanford Bernardo, or I call him Sandy, you know, and you know, thank you for again, being on the episode with me. And so just to start us off, uh, what is exactly that you do?
1: Just like, give us the, like the gist of everything. All right. Here's a little snapshot Dylan of what kind of work I do. So I'm a lawyer by training. That's my background. Um, But I don't really practice law. I run a company that is involved with fertility services. We help people that need assistance in having babies using third parties, like women to carry, women to use, you know, donate eggs, things like that. So it's sort of a specialized fertility-related company. And what's this company called? The name of our company is Northeast Assisted Fertility Group.
0: And so... You know, I always ask a signature question on the podcast to all my guests. Mm-hmm. And so let's imagine you're you're a sophomore in high school. Okay. And it's a Tuesday after class, so it's not like a Friday. You know, it's not like a, a part of, you know, what are you doing on a Friday? It's just like a normal mm-hmm. day.
1: Yeah, what are mm-hmm. you doing? All right, we're going back decades, all right? So it's sophomore year, 10th grade, so- for me, yeah. that, was, that, was, um, that was 1980. So that was like 42 years ago. But I remember uh, what I was doing, um, and I'm going to be totally honest and frank with you. I I wasn't that dedicated a student. My my <laughs> real love for learning and school came later, later than high school. So I would I would sometimes play blackjack with my friends for money. You I would play I would play ball after school. We played stickball in the schoolyard or basketball. I tried to delay my homework as long as possible. I, proc- I was a big procrastinator, so my parents would start getting on my case after dinner, checking to see if I did my work. And I had a brother who was very different. He would come home from school, and by four o'clock, all his homework was done. And I, you know, I would get around to it eight, nine o'clock, and I'd stay up later than I should. So I—that's how I handled the regular weekday as a sophomore. I played. I play like to run around and play after school if it was good weather, and I like to put off doing my homework. And I had a lot of homework because I went to a really competitive high school.
0: Uh, so, see so like you, you say you're a pretty social guy, huh? Like you know, sounds pretty fun.
1: I like to do that. I had fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed myself. I had fun, but I like to play ball and 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 hang out with my friends. And homework was the last thing on my mind, but I got it done. Um, I just, I just wasn't that. Um, responsible or disciplined that came later everybody has their own way of doing things but it it was later in life that I decided to uh to take care of my responsibilities in a more you know appropriate way
0: yeah so do you have like a general idea of when you made the switch or what like really kind of woke you up into thinking like I, I guess you know like to take responsibility as you said
1: Really, when I started working and running my own company and I was I, I had you know I had to do the work in order to get paid. so when I was in school I, I i if I was interested I did the work and sometimes I was interested in other things I took classes that didn't inspire me so sometimes i I could have done better than I did um, because of that. but really when I started my career uh, as a lawyer and then this business, that's when I really started taking everything I was doing very seriously because we have people's lives on the line we help people have you know, expand their families, have babies, and it's, it's a high stakes business and you can't really mess up and people need a lot of attention. So I learned how to take care of things uh, much more maturely as I got older.
0: So, so, yeah. So how did you get into this, you know, entire possession, uh, possession, prof- profession, sorry. And like, you Well, know. you know,
1: I, I went to school, I went to college in New York and I went to, I, I, I worked as a teacher and I went to law school at night because I worked my way through law school. So I, I spent a lot of time around kids. My parents were educators uh, and I started teaching. And when I got out of law school, I worked at a big law firm for a while and I didn't like it it was it was corporate work securities work But did
0: you have that like idea like it before like you wanted to work at a law firm but you were like
1: yeah i thought i should you know that's just what everybody does you make good money and like that and 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 my parents were happy with that choice and i was still doing things to please them so they were happy with that i i, I wasn't thrilled with it it was <laughs> not interesting but then what happened is, and this happens to lots of people, something happens in your life, something changes your thinking, and you just go in a different direction, right? So somebody I knew wanted to adopt a baby, and I remember it was from Texas. And when you're a young lawyer, they think, you know, they, you can do anything, they, they ask you. And I learned about what adoption was all about and how to, how to do adoption work as a lawyer. So I helped my, it was a, it was a relative out, I helped my relative out with this case. And then other people started knowing about it and asking me to help. And I started to do this on the side. I was still working at the big law firm. And then after a while, I thought, you know, I could do this and maybe I won't make as much money, but I would enjoy it more. And I'm working with kids again in a way. So I, I left and I became an adoption lawyer and I started my own practice as a lawyer.
0: You started out as an adoption lawyer and this all started as a
1: regular business lawyer. Would you call it almost a hobby?
0: Or just just for the relative and kind of just It was like, like
1: extra it was like extra work um but then at a certain point when i had enough of my own cases i figured i could do this on my own and i left the corporate world and i started my own practice this is well before my company just as a regular lawyer but just doing my own things
0: and your parents were how, how did they react to all this they were like, I didn't
1: like it my parents are very old school okay they think traditional they don't know about being an entrepreneur. That doesn't. That's risky. They don't like risk. You go to work. You work for a company. You work for a, an organization. They pay you. That's secure. And here I was leaving something secure to do something for myself. So they didn't understand it. I don't think. You know, they wanted me to be happy. Okay, that's they. They always felt that way. But they didn't. Um, they. They. They thought I was t- making a bad decision, and and I was doing something I needed to do. So uh, I. I still went ahead and did it, yeah. Because I was and, kind of, I was kind of like in my late twenties, early thirties, like
0: you know. I know, and that. you're 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 moved out, I assume. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 whatever your your parents, but like I I think uh, it's pretty interesting because I feel like a lot of people's different like passions. I mean, you'd call it it was a passion, right? You call it a passion and or
1: the passion? Yeah, I enjoyed it, and and therefore it became something. I was passionate about, and I like working with kids because I was used to that. And this is a way that you can work with kids as a lawyer. And was something that always
0: working. was with you, since- always love,
1: always love kids, always love working with kids. Wanted to make a good living and do that also, and still be a lawyer. So I, I was doing this adoption work for years, and uh, and doing okay with it. And then people started asking about technology, and can I create? Using in vitro fertilization, can I create embryos and can I have someone carry a baby for me? Or can I find someone whose egg I can use because I'm I'm too old to have my eggs be good, but I want to have a baby. All these different things that people do using technology to have children. And I started to get into that. And so I moved away from the adoption stuff and into that more technology-based legal representation. And then I got married. And then my wife- so, Oh, Ronald, she got
0: married- I- like in the middle of like in the middle of this, while
1: they- I was still doing adoption work and then starting to do some of this other technology related. And was your work.
0: was your wife also into like adoption stuff oh. or?
1: No, she was. I I um, I used to date lawyers, and then and and it wasn't good. Okay. Oh really? You know, because because <laughs> they would always argue and they would do <laughs> it and oh it was, it was awful. So I had this idea. Let me try dating somebody who's not a lawyer. Because in my in my world, you know, it's all lawyers, female lawyers. Very hard for me. Not nice. So I met this woman and she and she worked for a museum and she was very kind and loving and smart. And, and I thought, that's that's nice. I like I like her. I like Kathy. And so Kathy and I got married and she knew that I was a lawyer and she knew that I was getting into these things. And we had this idea that we we were going to have a, a baby ourselves right away. And we did. And then she decided, let's work together. I'm going to leave my job because I want to work with you. And the two of us are going to build a company together. And so we did. She took another risk. She took a risk uh, leaving her stable job to work together with me. And this was like 16 years ago, shortly after we, we get, we've been married about 20 years. So shortly after we got married, she left her job and we started this company and we've been doing it for 16 years
0: and so that's how you made the shift from you know, being a lawyer or you know whatever a traditional lawyer to adoption lawyer and now you would do you still you like i assume you use the knowledge
1: about you know like being an adoption
0: lawyer oh, yeah. today all i the look time. at
1: contracts i still do a little legal work but lawyers are all over the place there are lawyers who are politicians obviously i mean joe biden's a lawyer by training so many people in congress are lawyers lawyers it's a training, it's, it's, it's academic, you know, understanding and, and, and a skill and a professional degree, but lawyers are all over the place in the world. They're not all practicing law. They work in business. They're in other aspects of life. So I decided I wanted to be in business doing this fertility stuff. And, and my wife works together with me and we've been doing it now, uh, for just about all our married life. It just seems like the most natural thing. And so when a- someone asks you like what you do,
0: do you say I'm a lawyer? Do you say I'm like a both? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a- I still say
1: I still say I'm a lawyer because I think that's a little more prestigious. <laughs> and people like that. But you know what? This is what people used to say back when I was younger and I was like dating women. Um, they would say to me when I would meet somebody, they would be like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a lawyer. And then they're like, OK, fine. What kind of lawyer are you? And I'd say, I'm, I'm an adoption lawyer. And they would be like, "Oh my God, that's so nice!" That so, <laughs> so it was a great line. That's like a they're great they're like, like a woman. Yeah, yeah, they, love, they love that because it means, "Oh, this guy's got such a heart." But uh, yeah, I say I'm a lawyer because it's it it shows that you are educated and professional and all that, instead of just saying, "Hey," I, I, and it's also not vague like, "Hey, I'm in business" or some something like that. So yeah, but, I'm in fine. But I really true. think it's a fertility a fertility services business. That's what we do. Um, and I work with other lawyers, but I don't do too much of it myself anymore. So, okay. So speaking of,
0: like you said, you know, you've been at this clinic since you're, since you basically been married and like, how, how is that working with, um, you know, your partner? Is it, is there, well, is there certain challenges that would not happen? Cause like, imagine you, I, what I imagine is like, imagine you're fighting at work, right? Then don't you have to go yeah. home together? It's like,
1: well, the thing is, it's so, we've been doing it for so long that it seems very natural to us. We can't imagine what it would be like to like each of us go to different offices and then come back home at the end of the day.
0: It does that keep your just- schedule kind of the same.
1: We Well, I go to the office more than Kathy does. She works mm-hmm. more from home. And especially when the kids were little, she was able to work from home. And that was a good thing. This is all pre-COVID when people still used to go to you know the office and stuff. I uh, can't um, remember. We- well, that's too bad. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I wish kids had more of a memory. It's, it's, it's been very hard. For the last few years for you guys, but, you know, but we, it seems natural. We talk about business all day. We talk about stuff in the evening. Um, We have a division of duties. She does certain things. I do certain things. We both look at things pretty much the same way and we, we, we hash it out. And sometimes we, we argue, but that's, that's part of the decision-making process. So the kids uh, are pretty grown up now. Our kids are 17, just about 17 and 18 and a half. So they're
0: all,
1: like, they're you right. don't need to take care of it. Like, well, well yeah, one, one Watch
0: over them. Watch over
1: yeah. them. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think they think it's weird. Like, they, they always thought what we did was weird. Like, you know. Really? Yeah. Because it's, like, you know, eggs, sperm. I, can't, I don't mind telling my friends about this. It's just, it's just strange. It's just weird. So actually, so, yeah.
0: would you like I said, would you consider this topic,
1: I don't know. Ta- is "taboo" the right word? What is the right uncomfortable. word? Not uncomfortable? Not comfortable. Uncomfortable. People are a little bit. It's it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little controversial, and not everybody understands it or believes in it. Most people do, especially in New York, where we're progressive. Yeah, are, modern and modern.
0: Day, yeah.
1: yeah, but you know, you go to some place in the country, and people are a little more backwards, or. You know, the whole MAGA generation, <laughs> they don't they don't they don't understand things quite the same way or they don't look at things the same way. So there's also religious uh, opposition to what we do. You know, religion, um, when it comes to family values, is very specific about. really. How, yes. If you if you study and know about religion, they are very specific and rigid about how to create a family how to what what type of intervention scientific and medical intervention is appropriate and what isn't uh so a lot of religious figures feel that the kind of work we do is sort of not appropriate not right
0: and how how did you just research this or just there's like a certain event that kind of like the
1: catholic church is very against medical intervention you know they're against contraception they're certainly against medical intervention when it comes to using technology to have babies or to create embryos and keep them alive for a while. They think that's all against God's will. So I haven't experienced a whole lot of opposition directly, uh, but um, I do know from other people that in certain, again, in certain parts of society, there's a stronger religious aspect. And to get into other topics overseas, there are so many countries that have religious-based governments. We don't. that's, That's against the constitution here, but In other countries where the religious, the Catholic church and other churches control the political atmosphere, a lot of things that are done medically are just prohibited because they're against the the religion, the the prevailing religion of the country. So we get a lot of business from people in other countries who are unable to do things because their governments won't let them.
0: Wow. So. But there's yeah, so there's nothing you can really do about about those people, right?
1: Well, we help them. They come here. People come to the United States for many reasons. When it comes to the work we do, people come here. They come here because the medical care for this kind of thing is better than anywhere else in the world. Fertility care, uh, in vitro fertilization, reproductive endocrinology—that's the name of the of the specialty. Uh, It's more advanced here than anywhere. So if you live in a country in Europe or South America or China or even Russia, pardon the expression, we've dealt with you know clients from Russia. Uh, they come here because the the care is better. The legal protections are stronger and it costs more than doing it at home. You know, a lot of things are done more expensively here in the U.S. Things, medical care costs more. Legal services cost but more. But it, it's they the best, that. right? But it's the best. So that's why and people come here for it.
0: And so, speaking of, uh, you know, like recent times and everything, uh, has COVID affect like at least in the past affected the clinic like heavily?
1: And how did you well, deal with that? We're we're let us call our, ourselves a program rather than a clinic. A clinic, the connotation is uh, medical. We don't do medical work. We work program. Yeah, program. We work together with clinics that do Got the it. medical. Thank work, you. Right? But COVID's been very interesting because when COVID first started. We would get a lot of applications from people who wanted to carry babies and get paid for it or donate their eggs and get paid for it because they lost their jobs or their partners lost jobs. Oh. And they were just searching, you know, a lot of people overnight were out of work, restaurant workers, people who worked in the entertainment industry. So they were searching for anything they could do to make money. And that's not a good foundation for doing this kind of thing. Uh, people should be more thoughtful. They shouldn't be desperate. They shouldn't be doing things because they're looking at some emergency way to raise cash. So yeah, that's a one, serious,
0: like, life changing. It's stuff. a
1: serious thing. It's not just like taking another job. You know, it's yeah. a very, very serious thing. But we didn't suffer as a business because of the nature of what we do. Because it's so fundamental to people's human nature, having children, having, being a parent for so many people, not for everybody. Some people are fine without kids. You know, there are people like that. But so many people feel the clock is ticking. I'm 40. I'm 42. I, I don't have any kids yet. I, got, I, I, I need help. I got to do something. So COVID, uh, you're, are
0: you too old? Kind of like 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 something You're never about-
1: really too old because there's always there are always sort of parts that you can get to help you if you don't have your own, <laughs> for lack of a better expression. But <laughs> but you know when COVID happened, people would say, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'll t- I'm not going to go to Caribbean this year, or whatever. I'll take a vacation next year, or I'm not going to I'm not going to buy some stuff, whatever." There are certain things that you can put on hold, but this is a, much more of an emotional need. So people did not really stop the feelings that they had they couldn't uh, and they wanted to move ahead and press forward even though travel was more difficult and other things in the world were more difficult so we managed okay during covid now would you say that it was all it was it could have been even increased or no like
0: people's want for like children because you know you're sitting at home and mm-hmm. like you're not really doing anything or you
1: think that's not really something. That... I don't, I don't think it increased. I just didn't see much of a decrease. Decrease. So it kind it's of. Pretty much stayed, pretty much stayed steady. The interesting thing in our business are holidays. Holidays are good for us. Like Mother's Day. Now Mother's Day, because really? of people's sadness. We help people get over their sadness. I'm not looking. I don't think I exploit people. We help people. But it's just, uh, it's just a certain occurrence that when there's Mother's Day, and you're walking down the street on mother's day oh, and everyone's, everyone's with their and child and you don't have and you don't have a you don't you're not a mom yet it just gets to you and you want to do something about it like what's it called baby fever or something like yeah that? it's like baby fever it's like you look outside your apartment and everyone's got a baby stroller but you and you're like darn it i'm gonna do something about this thanksgiving is a good day for us because everyone gets together with their family and they're like hey <laughs> what are you gonna have a kid what's going on and it just it just kind of inspires people to take action so We like holidays. It's good for business. And has there ever been like a really
0: serious problem that you had, that you had to overcome and like, how'd you do it? Or has it, has it never been some
1: like serious issue? We have problems every day. Any business does, right? Uh, Ours are unique to our line of work. Um, Our problems have to do with relationships and sometimes people having disappointing results. And they're very upset because this is not, you know, nobody can make a baby work out every single time when they, when they get doctor. No, there's no guarantee ever. Sometimes things happen and there's no explanation. Sometimes everything looks great and the pregnancy just doesn't happen, but the doctors are like, but everything looked fantastic because it's not foolproof. So people get disappointed. People get discouraged. People drop out. That's another problem that we see. Um, people decide they want to help some other family out and everyone's all excited. And then they're like, you know what? I got this internship. Uh, just, I really can't do it. The timing's not right. And they will You can away. just do that. You can just walk away yeah. whenever. And the reason you can, even if you sign a contract is that what we do is sort of personal services. You can never force somebody to perform. It's almost like if you had a Broadway show and a performer signed a contract to do that show for six weeks or eight weeks or whatever the run was going to be, and then they decided they didn't want to do it. You couldn't march them in there and make them sing and make them act because they signed a contract. In In the law, you cannot enforce by specific performance, it's called, by actually making somebody do the work a personal services contract. The penalty is you don't get paid. And sometimes if if you can show that someone was... Was yeah. you know defrauding you or you you're doing this willfully? You can get damages too, but you can't force them into action. So we can't force people to do stuff with their bodies that they choose not to do. And do you ever get used to these like
0: problems that happen? Like is it kind of or like does it always? It I always like hurts. Yeah, I think like if I you start a business, it always bothered me. Like
1: it always bo- I never get used to it. It hurts. You got to take things seriously. I feel the pain that other people feel. I don't like to bring pain to people. Most people understand that we didn't cause it to happen. Some people are just, you know, they'll blame anybody in their way. They'll take
0: they'll, their anger
1: out. And- that's right. They'll take their anger out. And I know where it's coming from. And they'll displace their anger onto us. So we get people yelling at us all the time. And it's difficult because not everything goes smoothly. That's just the way of life. And every business is like that, no matter what business you're in. Right. And no would, no you,
0: would you say there's like a, that's a skill to have as well, like, Like in being in a management position, like having to deal with issues and having to like, I guess you said that you're not really used to it. But like you have to like know that like these are going to like stuff is going to happen that you that because that you can't even control yourself. Right. Like
1: communication is what's most important. If something goes wrong and you're upfront about it and honest and communicate with somebody and tell them things just the way they are, as opposed to hiding and like not taking their call. Uh, then you can, you can be responsible and act appropriately. But if you, if you, if you don't take the situation on, or if you kind of duck, it makes people even more angry when they feel like you're evading them. And that makes it even worse. So part of managing a business and is managing people and other relations, customer relations, you can call it that also employee relations. Employee. My style is, is not to be a, 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 you know, sort of a slave driver. I don't, I don't, Yell at employees, or we have people that work for us. I don't, I don't, I don't berate them. I don't yell at them. I don't uh, give them too much yeah. work. So what?
0: What is your like yeah. philosophy of being like? Which way you have a president or
1: yeah. CEO? Well, like, yeah. I'm not. We call a president. We don't have a CEO because we're not set up in that. Yeah, yeah That's my thought. Um, but I have somebody who works for me full time, and and the the way I work with her together is we're a team. I don't. I value her. I, I, I appreciate her. She does good work, but I think she does work above and beyond what she would normally do because she enjoys the work and she enjoys how she's treated. I think you get more out of people by treating them well than if you are barking orders and if you're difficult and if they're just trying to please you and if, they can, you know, if they're always worried about messing up. I want people to feel comfortable and we pay them well so they feel good about themselves. And, and so it's good, good work comes. It's good for retention. They don't want to, you know, this is the best job they've ever had. They're not looking for anything else.
0: Yeah. So what's funny is I was filling out some like application and actually one of the essay questions was, what do you think the most important trait, like what's the most important trait a leader should have? And I was wondering what you, what you think, do you think that is what it is? Like just respect and,
1: you know. Respect and understanding. And uh, if you're comfortable yourself, like some of these CEOs that you hear about that scream and yell. It, it comes from their own insecurity. If you're comfortable yourself, you don't have to berate people. You don't have to insult people in order to get them to perform. Uh, you can you can do it much more sensitively. So that's the that's just been my style, and that's why we have a good marriage. My wife and I work together. Marriage is good. The stress level is manageable, and um, people like working with us, and people like uh, you know being our clients because we we do good work and we treat them well. Not everybody; there are always exceptions, but there's you always can't exceptions. Stay uh, can't stay in business for this period of time if you are not good with people, and if you don't do your work right. Because there's a lot of pressure, and there's a lot riding on it, and it's all done by reputation. Nobody opens up, you know. Nobody Google's and finds us and spends <laughs> that kind of money. It's all recommendation. That's it's it's building up relationships. That's why it takes so long in this kind of business to become good and to become established. It's about relationships. It's different, like LeBron James can be the best basketball player in the NBA in his rookie year, right? Yeah. Because he's talented, but it's not just talent. It's relationships and ability and skill that takes time to develop. And then, so what would you say, how do you treat someone that is
0: underperforming? Like, what's your philosophy there? Like, you warn them, you know, you warn
1: them again, they don't listen, I mean, there's a limit to be, there's a limit to sensitivity and understanding too, because it is our business. So if you're not, performing, it is a business, you need to keep things running. We need Right. We can't coddle people who are underperforming and be kind and put our arm around them and to, you know, a little bit, but not too much because you got to get to get the work done if you want to work with us. So if you're underperforming and I think you could do better, I'll talk to you about it. I'll see if there's something in your life that's getting in the way. Um, but if it's just a lack of motivation or a lack of ability, at some point we have to cut the cord and say, this is probably not a good fit and get someone else in. We've had, I've had to do that sometimes.
0: So so speaking of like, so this podcast is for people and like, you know, like kids like Alex, kids like me, you know, just anyone that's like interested in careers in general. And like, you know, it's for like kids that want advice. And so what I would ask you is, for kids that would like to take a leader leading or like management position when they're older, mm-hmm. like what advice would you really like give them? Like on how to start, what okay. to expect? I, I would say I would say get is. a solid
1: education first of all. Don't dream about being a CEO when you're 17. Start building yourself up. Nobody starts at the top. It's very difficult to ever do that. So don't shoot for the moon. Build yourself up, learn something, become good at something, work hard, and you'll start to climb the ladder. You'll start to have ideas and connections, and you will improve your position in life. But if you want to be in, in own your own company or you want to be in management, those are concepts. But you have to know what you're doing. You have to have a you have to have actually you know you can't just say hey I want to run my own business but yeah, I, don't you know I don't know what not know what kind of business it's going to be. I just want to be the boss. <laughs> learn something, be good at something. Learn from people, all right? And then as you grow, you'll figure out how to become more in charge of your own life and and to direct your own business and maybe even to to start your own business.
0: Now, would you say uh, patience is an important thing as well? Or Yes. Yeah, how long did it take for you to start uh, your program?
1: Well... I think I'm sometimes impatient and being impatient can be a good thing because yeah, if you want really get, to get things rolling. Yeah. If you're really patient, that can cross the line into complacent and losing a lot of, you know, drive and ambition too. So people it's who like are a, very a, ambitious are often impatient, but you can't be so impatient that you lose sight of the fact that there are building blocks and learning that's necessary. You don't just get to start off at the top. So I would say ambition is important, wanting to do better, working really hard. And for us, it, you know, we started off this business after I had a lot of experience in adoption law and in reproductive technology law. So I had a background that lent itself to being able to get into this business. And then we built it up from there. So now would you say that's I, very I, important? That's a lot of people try to start this because, you know, they think it's a great idea or they read an article on Facebook or online or something. <laughs> you 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 can't really do well at it without a lot there's of so, there's knowledge.
0: so many people are trying to do the exact same thing,
1: right? Well, or... there are people trying to do this, and but a lot of really intelligent clients, the kinds we like, would prefer to work with somebody who's got years of experience and legal training as opposed to somebody who you know, may have been a surrogate mom last year and thinks it's cool to get into this business. So she's like starting it herself, that sort of thing. So training and background are really important. You can't substitute for that.
0: Now... Yeah, I I'm really, it's, a, it's a big balance because you have to be careful with, you know, you have to, you know, you have to get prepared, education, et cetera, experience. But then, mm-hmm.
1: like you said, you also took a risk, you know. Anybody who's ambitious takes risks. You can't be ambitious, want to do well, and play it safe at the same time. Those things do not correspond. So you, you have to take calculated risks, educated risks. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work out. We've tried things. We've tried initiatives in our business that haven't worked out. Uh, and then we've tried other things that have worked out. So as long as more things work like and don't work yeah, you know all businesses try new things. a lot of businesses go into markets, right? and it turns out that they're not particularly lucrative um, and they pull out of those markets. So we've done things like that too. We've decided to you know to start affiliating ourselves with certain clinics or certain people it's like and then tinkering
0: learn. over time yeah just... it's tinkering.
1: You can't just keep it the same because you got to always grow you stay ahead. That's right, Dylan. Staying ahead is 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 key. Because everyone's trying to do the same thing in your field. They're trying to get catch up with you.
0: I know. So would you say would you say it's kids should be like worried that like like if someone like my age doesn't really know what they want to do when they're older, would you think that's No, like-
1: I would think that's totally normal. I think it's too difficult today for today's kids because they feel like they have to be overscheduled on their way to a career and they're 14 years old. And it's, it's, it's just not right. I think kids your age and you're what, are you 15 now? 15, 15, 15, you need time to just like, let your mind wander. I, I wouldn't feel good about a kid who had every hour and every minute of every day scheduled piano, volleyball, you know, all the things that kids do in their lives you need like free time just to just like think. Reflect. Reflect, com- come up with ideas. That's the best thing in life, to have enough time for that. But still, you know, do your homework and have activities, but just not be overscheduled. And if you don't know what you want to do, that's fine. Go to a school that provides a lot of opportunities. Don't go to a small college that's focused on one field. Go to a liberal arts college or go to a big university where you can major in so many different things. And then you'll find what you want. Maybe you'll be 18 or 19. Don't force it to happen. It will happen naturally. You'll take a class in astronomy and you'll be like, you know what? That's really interesting. I'm going to take some more classes in that field. And then all of a sudden you're getting into science and you're learning about things. And maybe you go into a career that involves some science-based, you know. And you could also go like something related to science. Like you'd like go even, yeah, just keep. Let it hit you instead of forcing it to happen. Very few things work out in life when you force it to happen.
0: Oh, that's, that's, a, that's that's
1: a lot. My, <laughs> that's, that's my philosophy sounds pretty deep right? <laughs> no, it's, pretty, it's, pretty, pretty cool. it's pretty deep yeah. like all
0: right, all right, uh, right. I, I haven't thought all about right. it like that that's
1: yeah. why you need free time. you need time. look, you got a good brain you you don't need to be running from one thing to the next to the next. You need time for your mind to be free and open, and that's when ideas will ha- will happen.
0: yeah, it's interesting. Every single person I've interviewed on this podcast, I thought would have had like some sort of career plan. A lot of people, You know, they'd be like, Oh, I got sick one day, so I stayed home and started cooking and then I fell in love with cooking and then I became a chef.
1: Or, you know. It sounds like a story. That's that's the way it really works for people. They don't say, Okay, when I was eight years old, I decided I was gonna do this, (laughs) and here I am 44 years old and I'm doing it. I feel like I get
0: boring as well, like over time. Like
1: you gotta be spontaneous. People you'll meet people that you don't even know that'll change your mind and your career directions in life. You'll have a professor that you really like in school. These are all people you don't even know exist yet. So you, you have to be kind of flexible and not be rigid. And if you know you're good at math or science or some people love poetry and you're at an early age, like I have a daughter who's a fantastic artist, like really like like a prodigy. Like I'm not just bragging as a kid. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's amazing. She's going to be an artist. She knows that because that's her talent. That's her skill.
0: But, yeah, sometimes and, being good at something yeah. is also fun. It's like I'm really good at it. Like,
1: And that's what she does. That's what she does with her free time. And that's what she enjoys the most. So there's no reason to force her to do anything else. Do you think if someone who's really passionate
0: about something, but is not talented in it, can still make it because they're passionate, you still think that? Yeah,
1: because you shouldn't discount yourself and your passion. If you want to – look, it's one thing to say, I want to be a professional baseball player, and I'm not that good, but I'm going to keep trying. Then you have to recognize your limits. But if you're passionate about art, but you're not that good at drawing – Maybe you're really good at art history or maybe you're really good at the business part of art, or maybe you're really good. Maybe you'll represent artists. Maybe there's some part of the field that is for you because the passion means so much.
0: Well, this has been great, Sandy. Thank you so much. Is there anywhere that like people you'd want people to find Anything you want to shout out or eh, it's really,
1: well, I mean, we have a website that describes our business. So if people want to take a look and see the kind of work we do. You should go to assistedfertility.com, www.assistedfertility.com. We also have a YouTube channel with lots. I think we have like 150 videos now wow. on all different aspects of things. And that's the Assisted Fertility YouTube channel. So people are interested, they can always check those things out. And if they have questions, my email address is on our business site. They can always yeah. write to me. And if you have people, your your viewers, I know you're building up your your podcast. And I I would imagine you're going to have a lot more viewers in the future because you're (laughs) doing such a good job. (laughs) All
0: All right. right. Thank you, Sandy.
1: All right. It It was was great great talking to to you. Take care. Nice talking to you. Thanks for the time, Dylan. Have a good night. Good night.